Welcome to Transmissions from the Evil Lair, the official podcast of the Brotherhood of Evil Geeks. Hey everybody, what's up? It's Seamart, and that means this is Transmissions from the Evil Lair. Uh, this is the, uh, this is uh, like a weird show we have. Well, uh, they're all weird shows when it comes to our show. Let's, let's, let's face it. Um, but no, uh, Frank Martin is joining us today to talk about his book, Modern Godhood. The reason I say it's a weird show is this is the, uh, the first kind of show, uh, that we recorded while we were under quarantine. Um, I think this was on Thursday night. Uh, I think I had started working from home that Tuesday. So this is two days into the, uh, you know, lock, you know, the lockdown experience. It really was unavoidable, uh, to talk about, uh, uh, what was going on with the, uh, with the coronavirus, you know, with, with just the, the craziness of the situation. Uh, I, I felt a little bad that we, uh, I mean, we, we talk about uh, modern godhood a lot, uh, but we just, we could not get away, uh, from what was going on. It's just, uh, and I, I can only imagine it's going to be like that going forward too. Um, we just recorded a show the other night with a brain trust that actually we, we sat down to focus on coronavirus topics and kind of, uh, we ended up talking just about other stuff, you know, kind of got our, our minds off what was going on. Uh, but you know, thus, thus officially begins, uh, the, the era of lockdown on this podcast. Uh, and Frank Martin is our first guest. Uh, so thank you very much, Frank, for coming on. Uh, thank you for, for attempting to talk about modern godhood. Uh, but we just, we, we, we could not get away, uh, from coronavirus, uh, as we say, uh, on this podcast. It was the elephant in the room. Uh, so here we go. Our transmissions from the evil lair. Hey guys. You. Hello. So the, the thing about this, I mean, I don't want to say the funny thing cause it's not funny, but this whole coronavirus situation, it's kind of like the elephant that's in every single room because it's, People are – it's kind of like if you don't say something about it, it's kind of like why aren't you saying this global pandemic that's literally affecting everybody on the planet at the same time? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's weird because it's affecting everybody but also it's like everybody's kind of, you know, kind of concerned about it at some level. So it is you know, right at the forefront of your mind. You know? Yes. I mean I'm, I'm subscribed to a bunch of um, creators' mailing lists. And they're kind of all mentioning it, and I have to write my latest one. I'm like, it's kind of like if I don't say it, it's kind of like, why isn't he saying it? I mean, why is he in a part of the story? Everything is fine. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> why is he not mentioning this huge outbreak that's trying to affecting everybody's lives? Well, so I was just saying, especially like with the, like the creative crowd, I know like with people that we know, like just from you know doing our show, like cons are really affected, so it's affecting a lot of artists. And- you know, and then things like that. I mean, we, we do a lot of hosting for panels and stuff like that. And, you know, we've got work that's going to be affected, obviously, you know, over the next couple of months. So it's, 
It's new it's uncharted territory for everybody. Um, before, before we really uh, like get into the podcast, I just wanted to say like um, a lot of uh, conventions are switching to like online stuff, which is awesome because they have like a virtual artist alley set up, which is like links to everybody's shops. So like, I think that's awesome. Like everyone should check those out. Like support artists. I've seen a bunch of those online. I haven't dived in and and contributed or attended any, but I think that they're pretty cool. I I find everybody's been pretty resilient about this whole thing. My wife uh, runs a a Pilates studio, which is a gym, and Cuomo uh, came out and he's just shut down all bars and restaurants and gyms. So she she's had to close up shop, and she's kind of now is offering online classes to people so that they can kind of like Skype in and then she'll teach them. So every Everybody's kind of figuring out some sort of way to, to, to carry on and make the best of the situation. So, um, I mean, I, I mean, it's kind of it's it's uncool that people have to do that, but it's cool that that people are doing it. You know? Yeah, people are finding ways to get through it. Like, I know one of the things that I've liked, I really like, you know, silver lining. It's tough to say you've liked anything about being like under you know quarantine or whatever for the past week. Um, but like, just like you know, the comedy things, like Stephen Colbert's like monologue every night, is just like him sitting on his porch, like at his house drinking. Like he'll do like a you know a quick like catch up, and then like it'll cut to a rerun or something. You know, it's just things like that that like you know that make it a little bit easier to you know withstand and kind of just those are the you know, things you're gonna remember after we get out of this. I, uh, I saw. Um, I'm a big John Oliver fan. He did an episode. Yes. And he was just. He, was, he just had like a white screen behind him and there's nobody in the audience. And he's like, this is very weird. I think we can all acknowledge that this is a weird thing that I have to do right now. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was an it. odd episode. Yeah, because it was because there's no laugh tracks or anything. So it's kind of like, you know, and no audience. I, I was thought he was going to say something along the lines of my jokes aren't nearly as funny if everybody's not laughing with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, it's it's just it's just surreal and weird. And this is how like things are going to be like for a little while, I guess. <laughs> The other thing that astounds me is, like, I've had little to no adjustment to do on, like, my lifestyle, (laughs) which is terrible. Oh, yeah, as a podcaster, an introvert, and somebody (laughs) who's just generally, like, averse to going anywhere. Like, this is, I've been preparing this for this. It's so weird, because, like, there are people who, I mean, like, definitely, like, I am a little restless, but, like, it's so funny, because, like, I've been preparing for this my whole life, in a sense. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, I went to the grocery store yesterday. And it, it's, it was weird how quickly um, it became basically like a pandemic movie in the grocery store. Because especially here where I am, everybody's calling it ground zero. They weren't letting they, – they had a maximum capacity on the grocery store. So basically there was a line and when somebody left, they let another person in. And there were people walking around with masks, and I would say 85% of the people had gloves on. And it was just an overall atmosphere of um, – don't get too close to me. You know, it was it was very weird. I thought we were in a like a, a movie or something because it's just totally abnormal. Yeah, yeah, that, like that's that's when it set in for me. It was like the first time I went to like Walmart, like after everything kind of started like blowing up. It was like okay, like maybe I should get a little more concerned about this, and maybe I should buy a little bit more than I was planning on it. I had a um, I played football with a bunch of guys on Sunday, mm-hmm. and every Sunday. So last Sunday. I was kind of like, should we do this? And be like, well, there's only 12 guys. Um, 
we're outside, we're just two-hand touch, it's not like we're tackling each other, so we're like, you know, let's just kind of do it. And one guy was very apprehensive about it, and he says, you know what, I, I, I just can't do this, I'm kind of, I'm very nervous, and after one series, he took off, and then he emailed us a couple days later, and he said, I know, I'm sorry that I left, and I was nervous, but as it turns out, at 8 o'clock that night, I spiked 102 fever, and I tested positive, so it was kind of a good news that I went home and just played. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's yeah it's definitely it it it's like anything else that it becomes real once it starts entering your circle. Oh, anyway, we, like I feel like we had to, like you said, like you said, like yeah, we had to say room. something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we well, okay, let's get that out of our system. Hey, comics, yes, <laughs> things, that, things that aren't going to scare us and like kill us, you know, hopefully not. <laughs> like, um, yeah, we're we're sitting here. Uh, Frank Martin is joining us today. Um, he is, is the, the book is coming out. You have the Kickstarter coming out soon, right? I have a Kickstarter coming, launching April 1st, okay. which is, um, I hate to go back into this, this whole coronavirus thing, but the main, the main, uh, topic discussion is do we launch or do we not launch? That's kind of what a lot of creators are talking about now, but we're, I'm still on, some people aren't, but I'm still on going to launch April 1st, uh, for our book, Modern Godhood is what, is what it's called. Now are you doing a physical book or is it digital or, or both? We're doing we are going to do a physical book. Uh, that's what bulk of the Kickstarters for, for for a print run, and and yeah, we're we're kind of looking forward to it because it's it's a crossover book that I'm doing with another series. Oh, okay. oh. Um, yeah, I was going to mean, I mean, if it's digital, like absolutely, release away. You know, nobody has to go anywhere. But yeah, physical like releases are, are, are a tricky thing right now. Um, and I, like, I feel like we're going to keep falling right back into this coronavirus thing. Let's do, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, Honestly, yeah. though, like, you know, it, you know, it's a strange time. Like we, like, like you said, we have to talk about it. Like it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like, oh, you know, into the same kind of stuff that we are. Like, I feel like our subset of people is kind of like, like we we're just saying geared to this. Like we were preparing for this, like. A lot of our a lot of our entertainments are you know stuff you'd sit and read or like sitting and playing a video game and you know uh, so I don't know it's just it's just weird but I, I don't even like I don't even know where to go with this topic anymore it's just because it's so all encompassing and there's like nothing that's not being affected by it right now it's, it's cool when you're like hey I'll just sit home and I'll turn on Netflix and I'll forget all about this and it says trending outbreak yeah. trending we were just <laughs> looking at Netflix the things one of them was the end of the fucking world what was the other uh, one it was, was like the end of the world like you know contagion was on there I, but like, each one was like a, it was like a joke the series, just, of, unfortunate yeah, a series of unfortunate events series of unfortunate events thank you thank you Netflix for just uh, deciding to pop up every single apocalypse movie you could absolutely find every <laughs> Resident Evil film's on there I'm like yeah. this is great like um but yeah no uh, it, I mean it's a perfect time to launch in a sense because it's like you're sitting at home what are you gonna do read a fucking book like you know what I mean it's, <laughs> it's that's what I mean I've, I've I've heard arguments on both sides, and a lot of people just say, look, people need to be entertained. They're going to need content. They're going to need stuff to occupy them. And, and plus, with so many businesses having to shut down from this, do you really want to pull something out of the the economy's wheel? I mean, if you don't launch a book, you can't pay your printer, you can't pay your artists. Uh, Kickstarter itself doesn't get its cut and all of its workers. So, well, I mean, you don't really. Why? Why are you going to stop that when everything else is being affected? I mean, try to try to keep going. And yeah, yeah, it's like we're you know to kind of coin a, a metaphor. You know, society right now is like a a Jenga tower, and like 
There's a lot of bricks coming out of it. Like we don't we don't need to pull you know another one here or there, uh, just because we're panicking. You know. Mm-hmm. That was a good metaphor. Yeah, well, good I, job. I feel good like it could have been better. I feel like I'm a little rusty. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, that, I mean, I would say it's a spot on metaphor, but it's also a scary metaphor because it kind of means that Six. at some point every everything could fall. You got to keep those bricks in. Yeah. Um. So I mean, like you know. Ha- how far were you to say, like, just kind of considering, you know, maybe we should kind of put this off for a little while if we are going to do a physical book? Honestly, I never really seriously considered it. I obviously answered in my mind, like, whoa, if well, there's a lot of people dropping out, maybe I should think about it too. But it's there's there's it's a big domino effect. This is I have it pushes out because I have other launches planned for the year. If I push this one back, I'm going to have to push other ones back. Oh, yeah. It's like a domino effect, basically. It's going to affect everything down the line. Yeah, it's just it just wasn't worth it. I got a bunch of other people that are depending on this to launch. So I've, I've done a whole bunch of promo for it. I got everything in line. Just don't put the brakes on it. It's not, it's not like I have to a uh, a big crowdfunding event where 100 people need to show up that I have to cancel and start panicking you know it's, yeah. it's all it's all online it's all digital stuff so um there's no reason not to plow ahead um talking about the uh again trying to steer away from the uh, the grim reality we we uh, like a tractor beam it pulls you right in yeah yeah I, oh, I guarantee you we're going to accidentally slip right back in um but let's talk about the book itself how did you um how did you uh, come up with the idea? Now, the the basic idea is it's it's basically Jupiter, the god, uh, kind of in modern day. Uh, the way it works is uh, my book is called Modern Testament, and it's it's an anthology series. It's not really one storyline or one character. The basic ideas were taking uh, biblical characters, uh, angels, demons, horsemen of the apocalypse, golems, all that kind of urban fantasy, Lucifer, Constantine world, and we just have short stories that just focus on them. And I originally launched the book a couple years ago with a publisher uh, that's, that's now closed its doors. But having been involved with the publisher and a whole bunch of other creators, I started looking to them and say, look, I have this great property that I think we could take your characters and kind of put them up against these different biblical beings and we could do a crossover and i did one last year and uh, i approached braden cox who's got a series called reclaiming godhood about the roman god jupiter and i'm like this is kind of perfect he's got roman mythology i use biblical mythology let's mash these two together and have his character face off against uh, a trio of of mythological forces so it's that's kind of how it developed okay this is your, uh, your first comic you've ever worked on or have you uh, done about this stuff before Modern Testament was my first comic. I mean, still, we're going back a couple of years now. So I've I put out four volumes of that book that I eventually combined into a single trade, and um, and, and I've done one crossover already. I've had a bunch of other short stories and, and, and comics published. So so Modern Testament was kind of my first baby that I that I kind of really loved and I worked on and that I put out into the world. So I'm not putting out any single volumes by myself anymore, but these crossovers are, are a lot of fun to team up with other creators and see what we could do with our various properties. Yeah. Play around you know, with other sandboxes. and <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I really, there's something very cool about, uh, having another creator, uh, talk to you about their character and saying, look, I trust you enough 
go write a story and develop a story with something that I created. I think I think that's that's awesome. Whether you're working on uh, a character from Marvel and DC that's existed for decades, or kind of an indie character that somebody developed themselves and they're and they're willing you uh, to let you play around with. Um, over the years of doing the show, I've kind of noticed that um, people kind of end up they end up in comics somehow. You know, a lot of times they set out. Um, I noticed like a lot of you know script writers, um, a lot of like prose writers, and then you know they kind of fall into comics. Is that kind of what happened to you, or was you know, comics something that you've always loved? A little bit. I mean, I've always loved comics, and I've always loved writing. In addition to writing comics, I write uh, novels. I write a lot of prose and short stories, and that was where I was geared towards. And then at some point uh, in time, I said, you know what? I love writing. I love write. I love comics. Why don't I just combine the two and try writing a comic? And uh, there's a steep learning curve, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think there's a common misconception like, oh, you're a writer, you can just write anything. Like, write me a story, write me a poem, write me a script. Like, oh, I mean, it's so funny because like people don't expect that of any other career. Like, you don't just go, oh, you're a comic. Tell me some funny jokes. Like, well, they do that. I've heard that's everything. terrible. Yeah. Like, the worst. I I mean. The basics of storytelling don't necessarily change. I mean, you still have characters, you still have a plot, but the the pacing and the way those stories are telling, and they could fall apart very quickly if you don't understand the medium and the, the fundamentals that go into not just the story itself, but telling the story, of communicating it. So it was – and I'm, I'm a little surprised that there aren't more comic writers – that do jump in and write novels. I mean, it's it's definitely a totally different medium, but it's to me a story is a story, and I love telling stories. It doesn't matter if it's a, a comic or a, or a novel or a radio show. You know, I was just I, I love diving into new things and experimenting and and failing and then getting better at it and trying again. So it's it's a lot. Of, it's just the process is a lot of fun. Um, I feel I feel like the the, the switch from. You know, writing comics to writing a novel would be easier than going the other way around. Because when you're when you're writing comics, you know, you're you, you've got a like a format you've got to stick to. You know, you've got 22 pages if it's you know like a you know mainstream book. Uh, you know, we've got to hit these plot points. Uh, you know, this is what we have to do. Whereas if you're writing a novel, it's kind of like you 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 could take however long you want to tell that story. You know, you can sidetrack all you want. You can you know. You're a lot more. You're a lot freer. There's not a lot of, you know, not a lot of restriction on writing a novel. So I don't know. I can say that um, as somebody who tried to write a comic, who typically writes novels, novel format stuff, it is so hard to switch to that. Like I, I, I tried, and uh-huh. I was just like not that wasn't comfortable, and like being able to squeeze it into like different issues and stuff like that. I'd rather just have like a streamline. So yeah. If I had to guess. I would say, Sorry, hold on. Let me take a time. Out. <laughs> if I had to guess, I would say comic writing is is something you can learn. Um, you can you can have a teacher and somebody teach you. A novel writing is something you got to learn just by doing. You just got to jump into it, and you just got to write prose. Yeah. And I'm doing it over enough time, your prose can get better. With comic writing, you can educate yourself to the point where your first comic script is really good. Just because, um, just because you've learned so much along the way, you can't you can't really do that with comics. You can't learn yourself into. I mean, writing novels, you can't learn yourself into 
mastering the pros. You know, you just gotta practice it and have people tell you it sucks and then get better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy to kind of just hammer the the structure of a comic in your head where it, it's it's like it's different between running a race and a marathon, basically. You know, some people well, can do that short first, where other people like you know they they would have trouble kind of you know putting out a sustained story like in a novel. Also, not necessarily your 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 actual words aren't seen in a comic. Sure, the dialogue is, and you, but you, uh, b- being good at dialogue is a skill set all its own. Nobody's going to really read your panel descriptions. It's all, yeah, and, and a really great artist can carry a writer with their visual storytelling and their their dynamics. So, so yeah, it's. I would say you can you can learn how to write a great comic script. And but you can't necessarily learn to write a great novel unless you just practice and you read and you write and over time you just gotta hone your voice. Yeah. Um uh sorry, uh I forgot where I was gonna go. Good job. <laughs> that does happen sometimes. Oh, yeah. Coronavirus, whenever you, that's your fallback. Yeah, just, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna say. Hey, anybody who's sick. <laughs> so about this damn virus again, yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, I was gonna uh I was gonna say, um, when did you when did you first get into comics? When you do you do you know when like the first moment was? First, I mean, I, I don't remember how old I was. I was growing up in element. I would say elementary school. I sporadically read a comic here and there. You know, like if I was at the bookstore and be like, "Oh, look, there's a comic book on the shelf. Let me get it." And I read it. It was X Men or Spider Man or something. But I've never felt the need to become a comic fiend. You know, to go back for that next issue. But I read, I can remember, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember the exact issue. I did the same thing. I was like at a Books A Million or something, and I took a comic off their spinning rack. And it was Amazing Spider-Man for, uh, no, not Amazing Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man. It was 14 or something. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's not too long ago. Maybe like less than 20 years, I'd say. 2002, maybe? I'm showing my age. That's only been 20 years. Yeah, it's only been just now, I don't know, like fifth grade. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I was only in sixth grade or something. Uh, But no, yeah, after I read that, I think it was the the first issue of Ultimate Doc And I was like, dude, I need to know what's coming next. So so I went to the comic book store and I said, I said, okay, I got, I got the next issue. I got issue fifteen. Ooh, what's this? And I picked that up, and then you, you know, the rest of the story. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I missed that time in comics, that, like when when Ultimate Comics like first came out, because it was like everything was new and like exciting again. Like as far as these comics went, like it's just, oh, like it was just a feeling that like they just haven't been able to like recreate since. And like I. Really, yeah, I got sucked into the Ultimate Comics marketing scheme. I really did. I bought every single Ultimate Comics they had at that point. Yeah, so. I remember when they came out. I uh, like I had been out of comics for a little while. Um, 2002, I was like 22, 23. So yeah, I, I'd been out of like you know out of reading things for a while, um, and then yeah, I picked up those comics and that though, like that and I'd say X Men over Spider Man was the one that like really drew like drew me back into comics. Ultimate X Men. I, I really loved uh, The Ultimates, too. I think Mark yeah. Millard did a great job rebooting The Ultimates and making, uh, and making the Avengers relevant to the point where a lot of the things that he introduced in that book were were used for the movies, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. The first Avengers movie is, like, almost pure, you know, Mark Millard's Avengers story. Ultimate story, excuse me. 
I mean, it was so. It, I think it was a bold move. The, for, if I remember correctly, the first Ultimates issue is just Captain America in World War Two. Like that's ninety nine percent of the book. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it's it's been a long time since I've read it, but I, I believe you are right. That was like, I mean, if you think about it, that was kind of a bold move. If he pitched that to Marvel, he said, "Look, I'm going to reboot the Avengers." <laughs> Tire first issue is going to be in the 1940s. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy, but he he pulled it off, and he he had two great um, Ultimates runs, Ultimates, and then Ultimates too. Ultimates three was Joe Madriera, and who wrote that one? I was... It was it was uh, what's his name? Loeb. Oh oh yeah yeah that one was like a little I don't know. You know I I I kind of I kind of hated it. <laughs> To put it, to put it, it was his, um, it was his lead up into the ultimatum event. Yeah, that's definitely when that whole universe started jumping the shark, like the ultimatum event. Yeah, I felt that was when it was kind of falling apart and it lost me. And I was still in it; I still kind of read everything. Um, but I thought, I mean, Bendis definitely brought it back for the the death of Ultimate Spider-Man. I thought that was a great, um, that was a great event. Because it also introduced us to, to Miles. That's how Miles Morales. Yeah, that's how Miles was born. I was I was kind of a Miles fan from day one. That was. Uh, I say, I'm to think of when I jumped out. I want to say I definitely got out before the death of Peter Parker. I want to say like when Ultimate Fantastic Four started like slipping in quality. That's what that. I'm that was another one. It was very very good in the beginning, and then it kind of. I think they just didn't realize what to do with it at some point. Yeah. It was. It's like, look, look, we're going to reboot this franchise and we're going to put it in the modern setting. And then, but once they go through their origin story, they're like, we kind of have to do something else. What do we do now? Yeah. <laughs> so. See, I'm in a completely different boat because I started with DC stuff and like grew up watching the animated, like Batman the Animated Series. And then uh, Teen Titans is really what like sparked me getting into comic books. Mm -hmm. So I started reading comics like when I was older. Um, but yeah, I think the, like the first issue, like I was kind of like, you know, sporadic, like you guys were saying, but I think the first thing that I like wanted to read more of was, um, Gail Simone's run of birds of prey was like, I was, I'm okay. Like I need to get this when it comes out like next issue, like let's go. Um, yeah. So I think, I think, DC more than Marvel has been successful in translating their cartoon fans, or I would say other media fans, into comic book readers. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I loved Batman Beyond. I think I thought that was a phenomenal show. Yeah, and Return of the Joker, I think, is one of I, the best Batman stories. Batman Beyond since they started printing Batman Beyond books, simply because I just I was so obsessed with that show, and I think that the comic really translated and carried it through to telling telling the story in that universe. Yeah, I um, I, uh, I I don't know. I want to say like they've slipped, you know, as far as quality in the past couple of years. But to be fair, I haven't seen a lot of the newer ones. Um, what well, a lot of the newer what? Uh, uh, the DC animation. Honestly, DC. I really feel like I need to. Um, now that we're stuck inside, like I said, um, I really got to go back and finish uh, Young Justice, like the season that they put on DC. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I keep forgetting it exists. Um, <laughs> but Young Justice is and Superman Red Sun just came out, too. I keep seeing that pop up. I'm like, I heard the Harley Quinn show is pretty good, too. Like, everybody keeps talking about it. 
I, I watched the first episode and like, it was it was pretty good. It just didn't like. I don't, I don't love Kaylee Cuoco as her voice, I have to say. Like, it's jarring for me. Like, yeah. it's just like, oh, it's Penny from The Big Bang Theory. Like, it's not. <laughs> like, it's not Harley Quinn to me. You're not Harley, you're Penny. Get the fuck out of here. It's like I expect to hear either, like, Arlene Sorkin or um, Tara Strong at this point. Is like... Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of the tough thing about having these iconic voice actors uh, take over these roles. It's like when somebody does Joker, it's like, you're not Mark Hamill. What are you doing? Yeah, you know? when, when anybody who does Batman's voice that isn't Kevin Conroy, like when you hear it, it's just like you, you're like thrown off. And honestly, I think that um, like, you know, a lot of people were kind of rude to John DiMaggio about um, when he did it for the video games, when he was Joker for the video games. Oh, yeah. But I thought he did a pretty good job. Like, he... I, I think he did a great job given what he was kind of up against. So, I mean, there's some of these voice actors, you could tell when somebody becomes iconic, when you're reading a comic and that voice actor's character starts coming through. You can't yeah. read it anybody else but That's that person. I hear Mark Hamill when I read The Joker. I hear Kevin yeah. Conroy when I read Batman, you know? I still hear 90s Peter Parker from the, car the Fox cartoon. <laughs> when I read you know what? <laughs> the, the funny thing about that is I played um, Spider-Man Edge of Time. The, the video game, yes. which a crossover between Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2099. Yeah, and yeah. I did the voice for Spider-Man from the 90s TV show, did the voice for Miguel from Spider-Man 2099. I'm like, you're with the wrong person. What are you doing? <laughs> playing the wrong guy. Did you like drop the ball your audition? Like, we're going to demote you to other Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did that happen? <laughs> um... Going back to uh, you know writing and comics and, and and modern godhood, what do you think has been your your biggest challenge uh, in kind of uh, you know getting these written, getting just being a writer in general and, and working in comics? Getting a writer, being a writer and working in comics is um, making people interested in your book to kind of not talk about you talking about the process or just I mean or, anything at all, any any aspect of it that maybe you know, just didn't see coming or. It's definitely getting people interested in your book. And I think that goes for just writing anything, you know. You go to a con, you set up your 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 stuff and you're very proud of it and people love the, what they're comfortable with, you know. They love seeing Batman, they love seeing Spider-Man and to stop somebody and get them interested in this obscure uh character and these stories that they have no invested interest in is kind of difficult. Yeah, oh for sure. And, and every once in a while, you do get a guy who's just like, yeah, I'm all for it. I want to learn new things, and I, I'm all about the indie characters and creators, and I want to jump into your book. But um, I would say 75% of the people are just like, uh, no, we're here for the, the – we saw the, the Avengers movie, and my daughter loves the Thor's butt, so we want to buy some <laughs> Thor comic. At a comic -Con. Like, yeah, I, I've talked to that parent many times in my uh... – in my career over the years. Yep. Yeah. So, um, but you know what? The indie community is is strong and supportive, and and people creators love to see other creator stuff, not just not just fans. So it's it's uh, it's, it's to see that enthusiasm really helps you create new stuff and put stuff out there, and you kind of feed off each other. Um, it, like I, I think that. 
Going right back to coronavirus, I think one of the hardest things that's going to be with this next Did we set a record? How long has it been? Maybe 15 minutes? Yeah, I think so. I think we're pretty good right Take there. a shot every yeah. time we discuss the coronavirus. We had a good stretch. I honestly think the hardest thing over the next, you know, however long this is going to last, is not regularly seeing those people in this community that we've, you know, come to know over the years. Like the people you get to know at every show and, you know, you've done a bunch of you know, shows with and you just... I think not seeing those people is going to be the really like the toughest part of this whole thing. Honestly, like I agree with that. And mm-hmm. the other thing, you know, at the risk of sounding like a first world problems person, like I had a lot of like really cool stuff coming up down the pike and like for cons. And now it's like, you know, it's either not happening or like on the verge of not happening. And that's kind of like a big blow. Um, and I know a lot of other people feel that way too, but I mean... The one thing that I keep focusing on is, like, it's an opportunity to get other stuff done and, um, you know, we'll be back together again soon kind of thing. Yeah. The hardest part about the whole situation is you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how long this is going to last. You don't know what the ramifications of it are going to be. I'm signed up for a... um, for a half marathon in October that I'm kind of training for and I'm excited for. I'm like, it was like my New Year's resolution. I'm like, yeah, it's January. Sign up for a half marathon in October. Totally yeah. good thing. And and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wait a second. October? Is that even going to happen? I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I've been, that's the I, worst part is the uncertainty. I agree. Like, you know. Um, I was, I've been circling that, the same thought with like New York Comic Con. Like, that's the thing. You know, I look forward to that every year. It's just like the one weekend we just go nuts. Like, you know, have and fun. You know, even if everything clears and, and people say that it's perfectly fine, everything is okay, we're going to have the show, are people really still going to come? You know, it's... People are going to be freaked out still. Like. It's kind of it's kind of like that social distancing. I mean, at what point do you say it's okay, you can come within my two-feet circle? It's, it's the, the time period has passed. I mean, nobody really knows what when things are going to return to normal. Yeah. And I mean, as far as the Javits Center, like they're taking it really seriously. Um, I just got an email from them about BookCon. BookCon's postponed. Uh-huh. Um, they pushed it from, it was supposed to be like May, either late May or early June. Now it's pushed back to like the end of July. Oh, they're already canceling late May stuff. Like, yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah, they're postponing it. So they have another date. They were able to squeeze in another date in the Javits Center, which is like, Godspeed to you guys. But, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. We don't really know what's happening, and definitely as somebody with anxiety, that is the worst part. I'm a planner. Like, I like to plan things, like, when it comes to, you know, vacations, Comic-Cons. I'm a very, like, well-thought-out person. Most of the time, I'm not, but with that stuff, I am. Um, So, it's kind of hell in my brain right now, (laughs) just trying to, like, suss through that, but, you know. I'm thinking about kids. Like, are they going to let kids graduate to the next grade? they're not. They're... People are graduating, but they won't be walking. A couple of uh, friends of mine, like, graduating college. Um, oh, but they'll still, like, move on to the next grade. Oh, yeah, no, they will. Yeah. What, what, I mean, are they going to let, they're going to give kids high school diplomas? They're going to, they're going to send kids to. I mean, to be fair, senior year is a joke anyway. Let's just put that <laughs> out there. I did I'm... nothing my whole senior year, and it was fine. Like... Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a few, like, you know, graduated in 2020, asterisk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of, I'm just kind of wondering if the 
Like, are the freshmen going to become sophomores and the sophomores going to become juniors? Is, is that is that all going to happen? I mean, I, I think just, the one thing that they're struggling with right now is testing stuff, at least in our state. Yeah. Um, you know, put my teacher cap on for a quick second. Um, <laughs> like, a lot of that rides on stuff for the next year, so it's just kind of like a we'll see. Um, or are they just going to kind of exempt things? Um, the, the only thing that I have to compare this to are, you know, two two natural disasters that I've lived through. Um, with Hurricane Sandy and with uh, September 11th. So, and neither of those, uh, believe it or not, had as much of an effect on the entire country as, as yeah, this I does. Mean, yeah, 9-11 shut everything down, but it was for But like for like a, a couple day. of days, been, yeah. yeah. People were scared afterwards, for sure, but like, you know, it wasn't, everything wasn't shut down like this. Yeah, it was, yeah what, people didn't do it out of a public health emergency, sort of, yeah. kind of. Um. They did it out of – it's kind of weird when you're doing it of your own volition. You know, It's not like a hurricane came and blew away all the buildings and we have to close things down. It's like we're closing things down because we just don't know. Yeah. Kind of a, a whole lot more scarier. To kind, of, to kind of pull it back into our sort of realm of what we're talking about, there are um, – a whole bunch of movies are getting pushed back and movies aren't doing well and they're talking about digital releases and – Yeah, and that, was, that was the other like – like sobering moment for me when they were like, "Okay, the movie theaters are closing." Like, wait, what? Hold on, what? <laughs> and honestly, yeah. poor fucking Black Widow. Let's just put that out there. Yeah. I'm so upset. Like, she finally gets a movie. Mulan. Fuck that. Like, I'm very upset. You know what? I was I was very pumped for that Black Widow movie. I love. I hear people talking about the trailer. Nobody is talking about that Black Widow theme song. Every time I hear that, what is it like? Wah, 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 wah. I'm like this. That that's an awesome song. It gets me pumped up. I want to see this movie, but it's gonna be a little bit longer. Yeah, James Bond, Mulan. What else? Well, my we got my cats though. We got cats somehow. <laughs> yeah. I blame cats, cats for all everything that's happening right now. It's my kids cats. are super excited because. Uh, Disney Plus, they moved up for the Frozen 2 release like three months. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. I know. I watched that at least three times. And we've already been quarantined like four days. Whoever came up with that idea was a genius. Look, everybody's locked in their homes. Nobody's going everywhere. If we move this sucker up, we're going to get like 20,000 subscriptions. I'm, it's just, true. Like, I'm saying, I'm like, I'm picturing some like, you know, typical like, executive like chewing on a giant cigar behind a desk. Like, yeah, release, release the good shit. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but when are they going to release Homeward Bound? That's the most important thing to me right now. I'm still upset about it. Where is Homeward Bound? Why well, oh, watch my doggos? Let's go. The, wor the worst part about it, though, was I've been waiting from Spider-Man Far From Home to be on Disney Plus for forever. And I'm like, they moved to Frozen 2. What's going on? And then it kind of dawned on me. I was like, wait a second. Spider-Man Sony movie. Yeah. I was like, oh, can we, can we also just talk about, I'm just going to put this out there. Even though it comes out tomorrow... And I'm so excited about it. They fucking moved up Doom's release date till today. And they put Animal Crossing. They left Animal Crossing's release date tomorrow. <laughs> Why not switch it around? Why can't I have Animal Crossing a day early? Like, what the fuck? Come on, it's games. Can you say that? Because I was playing, right before we started talking, I was playing the first Doom on, uh, I have Xbox Game Pass. So I'm like, I got to get in all, I, all my Xbox Game Pass while I'm stuck at home. And so I was playing the first yeah, Doom. I played that on the... PC, I want to say I was not supposed to be playing it because I was little and it was terrifying. And uh, I played it at my friend's house with his older brother. That was like the first thing I bought when, I, when we got a, when we got our computer, like first computer in the nineties. Like 
went right to the store and bought a copy of Doom. Like, uh, we need to play this. <laughs> it's amazing how much society changed because at some point uh, there was like panic over that Doom was going to turn an entire generation of kids into chainsaw wielding maniacs and psychopaths. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Not, not one that I know of yet, anyway. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was great, because, like, you know, you really be over here playing, like, Doom and other games that are inappropriate. And my mom's like, what are you doing? I'm like, playing Mavis Beacon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely not Doom. <laughs> uh, going back to the delay thing, I feel bad for um, movies like that movie The Hunt, which, like, was going to come out last year, and then, like, Fox News made, like, created this controversy around yeah. it. What was that about? I don't know. I never heard of this. They got all up in arms because, like, they, like, thought the plot of the movie was about, like, liberals hunting and killing conservatives. And, like, it's, I guess that's not, like, kind of what it's about, but it's, like, more of, like, a satire. How come it's okay with The Purge? But I mean, they had to, like, <laughs> they, they, they canceled the initial release, which was last year. They released it last week. Finally, and like that's when the movie theaters closed. And then, like, you have New Mutants that's in the same boat that just got pushed back again. Bloodshot released last week, and I don't on home video next week. Yeah, yeah, I'm video. He says, Once again, I'm old, coming (laughs) coming soon to your video store, (laughs) (laughs) available next week at your local blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember how loud those commercials were, like on your VHS tapes, where it was like "coming soon"? Like it was just they would like, blow out your speakers. Sorry, I just thought of that. Um, it's definitely changed. I watched. Uh, uh, I don't know. I was big. Are you afraid of the dark fan? I don't know if you. Same. Oh my gosh, we must be around the same age. It's a good. They um they just rebooted. Are you afraid of the dark? They made a three part episode. Of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Okay, and I, I that. to watch it. Was yeah, it good? Was really good. I, I, I said, I said, kids, you're watching this. You're staying up late with me, and you're watching every single episode. And then, so we watched the first one, and my son goes, "Okay, let's watch the next one." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "That's what happens. You watch one, and then you watch the next one." I go, "This is not Netflix, kid. You got to wait another <laughs> week for the episode to come out." He goes, "But that's not fair. Why do you have to wait? Why can't you?" Just- <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, kid. Generation of kids do not understand the the struggle of having to wait a week in between episodes. And if you can't watch it, you have to record it on your stupid VHS. Yeah. Make sure the setting and the time is all right. No, these Craig, kids no just missed over. It. Yeah, if you missed Craig. it, it wasn't coming back on. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought up Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because I was just saying to to Chris the other day that Nickelodeon needs to cash in on this Disney Plus hype and make a Nickelodeon app where you can watch old school Nickelodeon shows. Just watch whatever the fuck you want. Like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm just waiting for it. I want to watch all of Pete and Pete. I want to watch all of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, let's go. What are we doing? Come on, Nickelodeon. Get with when it. I, when I was in college, I scoured eBay and I found on DVD the first two seasons of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So it was like, I don't know. It was like a needle in the haystack. I don't know how I found it, but I found it. And I watched them with my kids and they loved it. And, and I got so much nostalgia because I'm watching these shows and to kind of bring it back to my own book, Modern Testament, with it, which is an anthology book. There's just so many – every issue has uh, has three stories. I got four volumes and then I added two, three more stories for the trade. So that's 15 different stories 
that are in totally different genres, totally different styles. And I kind of attribute that to Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because I'm watching these and the show, the, the episodes are just so different between them. There's sci-fi and there's fantasy and there's horror. And it was kind of like I was watching these and I'm like, this is my childhood, just jumping back and forth. This is like a, a, a nerd boot camp because they kind of throw everything at you in these, in <laughs> these episodes. I gotta ask, what's your favorite Are You Afraid of the Dark episode? Like, I, I have to know. My favorite Are You Afraid of the Dark episode is um, The Tale of the Midnight Madness. Which one is that? <laughs> I was yeah. gonna say, I wouldn't know if I just... the. I, I, know, the I only know the names because I just watched them all. But, uh, <laughs> but no, this was the one that I remembered the most. It was the one where Dr. Vink comes and he saves the movie theater. And he has uh... his own and the vampire walks through the screen. And he starts stalking the, the the people that work for the movie theater. I do vaguely remember that one. Yeah. I see. I was the kind of kid who was terrified of the of that show, but I had to watch it. Like at four o'clock, whenever it was on every day, I would have to sit down and watch it. My mom's like, "You don't have to watch this. Like, why are you doing this if you are terrified?" And I'm like, "But I need to watch it." Um, but yeah, I, I have I, my tie would probably be the one episode where it was like there was like a some sort of portal in the attic and then there was a scary doll do you know what i'm talking about it was like they were like come in like you know and they were like trying to lure them into like this like oh yeah yeah it was a creepy carnival man it was horrifying that one and of course uh what's his name zebo the clown could yeah zebo was was one of the very first i think that was like the second episode that's, um, that's a good one. That's a John Wayne Gacy, basically for children. Like that's what it's about. Is he's smoking a cigar and he dies, and then haunts the funhouse. The kid takes his nose, and it's like a whole thing. But the one with the doll, it wasn't in the first two seasons, so I didn't just watch that one. But I, I do remember that. That one was pretty creepy they too. They show that one on Pluto, Pluto TV shows. Are you afraid of the dark? Sometimes, and they show that one a lot. And so I was like, wow, this is really fucked up. Like, I can't believe that they <laughs> let me watch this as a kid, but yeah. Wow, you lightweight. Like, you kids with your Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are You Afraid of the Dark was way scarier than Goosebumps. I'll put uh, that yeah, out there. My Are You Afraid of the Dark was Tales from the Crypt. I did watch that, too. I was not <laughs> yeah. supposed to, but I watched that. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a sister that was 10 years older than me, and she's like, she's like, do you want to go to bed? I go, no. She goes, fine, we're watching Nightmare on Elm Street 3. I'm like, okay, let's go for it. Yeah. I guess that's why I'm into horror shit now. It's because I grew up scaring the shit out of myself, I guess. Yeah. I was going to say, my Are You Afraid of the Dark had boobs, gore, and excessive violence, and it was awesome. Yeah. So, no, I, uh, I made a living of going to Blockbuster and just going down the horror aisle and just picking up movie, 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 and then going back and watching them and coming back. The next one, next, I didn't know what it was. I just kind of went down the aisle and just watched. I used to go down the aisle and just look at the tapes until I got too scared to be in the aisle anymore. And then I would, because <laughs> my mom wouldn't let me rent any of those. She was too smart about that. Video games right over her head. But those she was like, you know, a little more savvy on. But she would let me rent whatever I wanted from the, from the aisle with all the goosebumps shit. So, you know, that's what I did. More than the horror aisle, I like the sci-fi aisle. Because sci-fi was just basically, we can't put this anywhere else because we don't know where it goes. We're just going to throw it in the sci-fi aisle. They had they had everything. It was, uh, there's some kind of uh, weird technology in this, so it's sci-fi. Here you go. <laughs> exactly. He's like, this is scary. There's a lot of death, a lot of gore. But you know what? There's aliens, so it's going to be sci-fi. <laughs> oh, it's an alien and a monster? Definitely sci-fi, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I, yeah, I was just uh, going back to you were talking about Blockbuster and just like walking up and down the aisle. I miss Blockbuster right now. Yeah, we. I was just saying we never had a Blockbuster here for the longest time. We always had like independent video stores, and then like when we finally got a Blockbuster, like I went there and they told me it was rent one get one free for any like not new release. I was like, oh my god! Like that became my church. Like there were there were times it was me and uh, my co-host, my occasional co-host of the show, Tom. Um, we would go, I mean, like, twice in a day to get movies. <laughs> I miss, like, that, like, okay, yeah. like, you can go pick out your tapes now. Like, I miss that, like, you know, <laughs> being able to walk down the aisles and look at all the, the VHS covers, like, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. My dad was a big, he was a big renter. He went, he went, he would rent, like, five movies, but he would never watch them. They would just kind of sit next to his TV, and then he would return them. And when people asked him, he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I rented that. Yeah, you know, but he never watched them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I wish, that was my favorite job I've ever had, was working in a video store. Like, I worked in a video store, like, right as that ship was sinking. Like, right at the end, I worked in Hollywood Video. And, man, I just, I loved that job. Like, it was the best. My parents' friend, uh, one of the really close family friends, um, when I was growing up, he owned a video store. Oh, so he man. would get all the um, yeah. advanced copies, and so he would give them to me. That I, so I saw Shrek before everybody else did, and I was like, fuck y'all, I've got Shrek up in here. So he would give me like all these illegal copies where it's like, not for resale, like, <laughs> you know? So, thanks, bud. That was, you know. <laughs> um, it's, weird, um, it's weird how society changed when the pinnacle was... Because I got to see Shrek before you, and you know, it's like I have a million more Instagram followers than you. It's it's not it's not as cool. <laughs> um, tell tell folks where they can get uh, more information on uh, on Modern Godhood and uh, anything else that you're working on. So uh, yeah, I have a website. It's www.frankthewriter.com, and I kind of it's just just a mesh of all me. I have some free stories on there, some free comics. I should talk about my prose novels and my and my comic books. And uh, on social media, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The, the handle is at FrankTheWriter. You can kind of find me on there. And when Modern Godhood does go live, because it's not live yet, it's not April 1st, but eventually that URL would be uh, moderntestamentkickstarter.com. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming and talking with us, Frank. Um... Especially now, yeah. Uh, I was going to say making quarantine just a little more fun, Frank. Thank yeah, you. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I I actually took off my gas mask in order to to do this. So <laughs> thank you for taking your gas mask off for us. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, please, uh, you know, come back in the future when uh, when we're not all uh, you know under quarantine. <laughs> when the when the when the plague settles. Yeah, yeah, we can actually talk. Yeah, we, like focus on talking about fun stuff. <laughs> Um, but this has been Transmissions from the Evil Lair. Uh, I am C-Mart. I am... I don't even know what to call myself anymore. Frank, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm Joseph Wendy, Amanda. There yeah, go. I'm Chris C-Mart, whatever you want to call me. Uh, <laughs> and our guest has been Frank Martin. Uh, once again, thank you, Frank, for, uh, for talking with us. Definitely thank you for having me. And right, thank you for listening, folks. Go ahead!